three, two, one. We've joined Lethbridge Stewart as he does a prison bake. Prison bake. <laughs> you know, a cake with a file in it. <laughs> it works. Let's try that again. Traveling the vortex. We've joined Brigadier Alastair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart as he does a prison break and arrive at episode number 317. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm tired. I may not have much energy tonight, so I apologize. I'm kind of a... I just got out of prison. Oh, good for you. Thanks. It's a clean break. (laughs) Clean bake. So they're not going (laughs) to sneak in and try to... They're not going to be helicopters searching overhead for you? No, no. We We, we should be good. Okay, good. Do they know that you're missing? No, not yet. I've got till about the end of this podcast. And then, I say they might soon because I yeah. sent you a cake. Oh, <laughs> with, with a file in it. <laughs> yep. Oh, did you not get some cake? Find my uh, <laughs> contraband in there. No, I found a weak part in the wall. Oh, nice. Just walked right out. Just poof. Did you know? Eight-digit code. Queen's birthday. I'll have to remember that. Anytime I come up with an eight-digit code, <laughs> first I'll have to remember the Queen's birthday. <laughs> Why is that a thing? <laughs> I'm stuck on the file and the cake. Like, how did that become a, a trope? Because, I'm sure whoever was the could first person to make a, a file into a cake and it became a thing. But surely they would have caught that, don't you think? Um, maybe. It depends on how long ago. If it was long enough ago, they wouldn't have, like, I mean, not metal like, detectors to say, hey, look, there's something wrong. I mean, we've, been making, we've been making cakes for millennia, so... I don't know how long files have been cakes around. Cakes have been around. <laughs> cakes have been around since longer than metal detectors. I suppose. Oh started? yeah, no, no, no. With a medical detector, but just you'd think they would cut the cake before they gave it to you. You'd think. I would think. Perhaps that's why it's a trope. It's not real. <laughs> Look that one up, Keith. <laughs> no, Get, I'm not going to. Go, go to Imdb see if there's a <laughs> thing on that's it. That's not on Imdb. <laughs> Maybe TVTropes.com. How was your week? It was alright. Did watch Legion, the pilot. How was it? It looks it was, good. It was weird. Weird? The earliest weird. case found was recorded in 1804. Uh, compendium <laughs> of criminal behavior and an instance of one successful use of a cake as a means of securing freedom. What year was it again? I'm sorry. Uh, 1804. It's an 1804 compendium wow. that it was found in. Not necessarily that it so happened in 1804. So, so it happened even earlier than it that, have, It could have, yeah. Wow. Apparently, William Blowitt was a gang member known for his pickpocketing prowess and tendencies towards housebreaking. He was sentenced to seven years on it for an undisclosed offense. Is that allowed? So if it's, <laughs> it's, it's lockpicking, it was probably a small file. So it was pickpocket. pickpocket. Oh, pickpocketing. Yeah. Oh. I don't think it was lockpick. The file, the, the idea of the file is you saw, saw the, the yeah. bars on the window and you pop the bar out and then you escape. So. The doctor could have used the files multiple times. Oh, it was reported in uh, January 14th of 1909, Mr. F.J. Humley, who was jailed for passing a forged check while incarcerated and awaiting a trial. He was sent two cakes, one with chocolate icing and one with white icing. The sheriff who intercepted the packages thought that the baked goods were unusually heavy upon investigation and and upon investigation found half of a 38 gallon. Revolver in each case. <laughs> I, 
find it interesting that they note the frosting. Yeah. <laughs> it has one no was, relevance to the chocolate? overall story. <laughs> I'm fine, Keith. How are you? Tangent <laughs> <laughs> <Engines> ahead. <laughs> It's related. It is related. You're right. You're right. I feel smarter for having known this. <laughs> Not going to lie. You had to ask. I had to ask. <laughs> oh. You know, in my head, it's always the, the, the... I think there's an episode of The Monkeys where they bring out like a sheet cake and it's got a file this big hanging out <laughs> yeah. of both sides of the cake. Yeah, yeah. In my head, that's what they are. So you didn't do anything this week? Not really. Legion was weird. That was about it. Legion was weird. Yeah. I haven't watched it. I've still got it on my queue. I did watch the first episode of Powerless. It has promise. It could be. It could be funny. Once it kind of does something different. <laughs> once it does something different. Well, wait a minute. If it's once, not the show, it promised. Once, once it gets. Once it gets out of its ruts of a pilot, it feels very formulaic. Oh, okay. And I think right. if it could break those bounds, it would be a really good show. The pilots are a struggle because they have to tell you so much about the show and. And surprisingly, Danny Pudi is a little disappointing in it because he's playing so much like an Albed-like character. Oh. I kind of wanted something different from him. Yeah. Did you watch anything, Sean? I watched tons of stuff this week. We're up to episode six of Westworld. Oh, wow. So you got two in. Are you ready for six or you finished six? Finished six. Did you get to the big reveal? I don't think you did. I think you'd seen the episode seven. Well, it, it, it depends on what you determine as the big reveal. We got to the point where uh, Tandy Newton is aware yeah, you're and, not and, and augmenting <laughs> things. So I love Tandy Newton so much. She is great in that role. She is really great. We rewatched John Wick in preparation for going to see John Wick Two. No, Chapter Two. John Wick Chapter Two. <laughs> of which, which, which now that they've done that, that first chapter must have been really long and had a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> <laughs> you have or have not seen? I still have not seen okay. the first one. Chapter Two is amazing. It's fantastic. It is everything you think you want out of a John Wick sequel. They give it to you. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah. So there's a lot of cheering and fist pumping, and that was cool, and the stunts are great and very well choreographed. And I like the color palette of this one. The first one's a little monochromatic, and this one's got a much wider range of visual going on. They do a great job with the world building and kind of expanding on the the Assassin's Guild and all this kind of stuff that's set up in the first one. Let me be contrary here to you. I think the first one, I think you're half right with that. It's very monochromatic when they're outside. Anytime they're inside a building, it's very colorful, which I I thought was a neat contrasting element of that story, is anytime he's in one, like the the hotel, and then the nightclub, and yeah, that's all very you know, stark and colorful. And then when it's outside, of course, it's usually pretty dreary or raining at, at one point. It is. It's very melancholy. And I thought that that was perhaps the director's choice to kind of frame those things that way. Yeah, I'm not that I'm complaining because I think the first one's, I, I think it's great. I just, I, I liked the way this one was done. Keanu's still awesome and every, everything's really good. It has, I don't want this to be to its detriment. It feels a little bit at times kind of like Smoking Aces. If you ever saw the that first one, one or the second the one? first one, the second okay. one was no, I mean John Wick, the second one. Okay, it, it doesn't do it a lot, but there are just a couple little beats in there that's like, okay, you've kind of got that frantic everybody going insane thing. It's really, really, really good. And if they make a third one, the title should not be John Wick Chapter Three. It should just be John Wick Kills Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I would pay my eight fifty to see it. Commercial came on tonight for it. I told Holly, I said, you know, I think I'm going to 
one of these nights after work if it's there's a late enough show and I'm probably going to go see that. And she goes, what? <laughs> said, yeah, I'm probably going to go see that. She goes, that does not look like your kind of movie. And I said, it shouldn't be. <laughs> I said, but on a whim, I watched the first one on HBO and I thought it was really good. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go see the second one. So It was thoroughly enjoyable. We had a blast. My wife knows me so well. <laughs> And then we watched Jack Reacher, Never Look Back. Never Look Back or Never Go Back? Never Go Back. I don't know what remember the title is. Jack Reacher 2. Okay. <laughs> never Back Up. <laughs> never Reverse. <laughs> it was good. It was nowhere near as good as the first one. It, it definitely had a... It just kind of did its thing. And Colby Smol- Smol- Smolders? Smothers? Smolders. Smolders. She does that, too. Um, <laughs> she, she's in it, and you would think that's kind of an, oh, all right. She didn't really get anything to do. So. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah. And then we watched Around the World in 80 Days, the original 1950s version, which I'd never seen. Oh. And we thoroughly enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. I still like the Pierce Brosnan miniseries better. What'd you do, Glenn? I didn't watch a darn thing this week. I've been reading and playing a lot of Rocket League. I'm so addicted to that game. It's such a fun <laughs> game. You don't? Do you own it? You don't own it? I don't own it. Uh, I think you'd like it. It's it's. There's nothing to it. It's your basically remote control cars running around trying to hit a giant ball into a goal. It's like soccer, but it's it's a blast. Man, yeah. it's so much fun. Well, we've been watching a lot of tabletop. Holly and I have just to kind of get some ideas for games. And we saw one on there called Forbidden Desert. We watched them play that. We were intrigued by it, and Holly just on a whim was out, and she picked it up. <laughs> she saw it in the store and picked it up. I was like, all right, cool. So we played that. We've played that a couple of times this week fun it's a lot of fun tonight while i was at walgreens i picked up two more games that i'd seen on tabletop i picked up love letters and match dice match maybe i can't remember anyway it's a real simple game you just you flip three cards up and you roll dice and you try to match the combos that are on the cards it's real simple in fact that was one of the reasons i picked up because the kids can pick up on it's like yahtzee without the set nature yeah you don't have a set nature it doesn't have anything to do with hands it's, it's, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. We didn't get to love letters tonight because, kid. well, Mason had to go to bed, but that's one we'll plan for next week. So We do have less than a, or just over 100 pages left in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, I better hurry up and get back to it. <laughs> I stole out on Cursed Child because of Lethbridge Stewart, so <laughs> now I can pick Cursed Child back up. I'm a, I'm a third into it. Well, let's move on to news then. Okey-doke. Uh, Lethbridge Stewart line has announced a bunch of novellas that will be coming out through the next year, all in hardback Ooh. form. So first up is The Life of Evans, written by John Peel. Then it will be released in March. As the title suggests, the novella sees the return of Evans. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Especially uh, after reading the Christmas one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm tipping my hand there a little bit. The book also includes a bonus short story written by Robert Mamone called Time and Time Again, and it serves as a sequel to Time Lash and a prequel to the forthcoming spinoff, Travers and Wells. <laughs> Revealing more of that mystery that was first seen at the end of Time Squared. Ooh. Travers and Wells will be a new novella series coming down the line. This also excites me. <laughs> There are still two more books in this novella line, including Day of the Intelligence, written by Andy Frankamallen, to celebrate 50 years of the great intelligence, telling the official origin story fully authorized by Heisman and Lincoln. Nice. Finally, The Flaming Soldier, written by Christopher Bryant, will be released in July, commemorating the World War II hero Eileen Younghusband. Each novella will be strictly limited to 400 copies, 
and of course they can be pre-ordered separately or as a bundle at a discounted price very cool and i think it's around 35 dollars if you live in the uk on the bundle i think it's around 40 it's almost 50 dollars in the u.s i think if you buy bundle you get shipping for the uk for free mm -hmm. i'm not aware if that's the case with the it's u.s a bit more shipping to but come over yeah here, so but if you're going to buy them, it's the, the bulk way to do it is the way to go, even if you're in the U.S., because that's $50 for three books, whereas if you spread them out, I think they're around $16 a piece. So. And these are the first of the Lethbridge-Stewart line that are getting hardback covers. All the others have been paperback. This mm -hmm. is a hardback. Is it still considered paperback when it's kind of the oversized? Aren't those called soft covers? I think is soft Is that the official covers. termination yeah, for it? I think so. Termination, designation. What's the word I'm looking for? Delineation. Terminology. <laughs> Pick a word, insert here. Yes. Subjugation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the that, right that word. That work? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a word. Yeah. <laughs> don't be making fun of my English. <laughs> Big Finish has announced a new series called The Doctor Chronicles, and they will be coming out later this year. Four story sets... The Ninth Doctor Chronicles, the Tenth Doctor Chronicles, and the Eleventh Doctor Chronicles. All new stories with narration from Nicholas Briggs. So it's kind of an audio go type format. And they will include other actors, like the Ninth Doctor will have Camille Cordry and Bruno Langley. Jackie and Adam, for those yes. of you that are not up on your actors. The Ninth Doctor Chronicles will be released in May. There will be more information in all three volumes in the coming months for the rest. And Nick did such a good job with the Ninth Doctor's voice anyways in that one Destiny of the Doctor story. That'll be exciting. Another bit of news, if you saw the video that we shared on our Facebook page, Missy is returning for Series 10. <gasps> if anyone's surprised by that. <laughs> I really thought this was something we knew. <laughs> our last bits of news are some convention news. British Fest has announced Fraser Hines as a guest will be coming. So he will be joined by both Colin Sprawl and Terry Malloy. Yay! So a big Doctor Who presence at British Fest this year. Which is in Omaha. First week June of June. June 2nd through the 4th. The tagline for this year is four, number four, the love of who. Makes me wonder if they're going to try to get a fourth. Hmm. And then unfortunately we end on a bit of sad news for those planning to go to Smallville and get Julian Glover's autograph. Unfortunately he has... Uh, had to cancel his appearance. Ooh. Yeah. Actively, he's working. I suppose we should. Yes, yes. He's <laughs> he's in a play. He's it's... a part in a play in London requiring him to be on stage for months and during the dates they had the convention. It's not like he just said, eh, screw you guys, I don't want to come to Kansas. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time he's had to cancel coming to Kansas. Yep. For work-related commitment. Yeah. It's great that he's still working as much as he is. <laughs> I would like him to come here and work, though. <laughs> <laughs> What did you mean by, it's great that he's still working, what, at his advanced years? Oh, what just the, that he's doing so much statement for that? That's why I added as much as he is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I realized, as I was saying, it, it does not come in out right. What <laughs> <laughs> was going in the mouth? <laughs> <laughs> One part of your brain going, wave off, wave off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that's it for news. Let's move on to feedback. 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 I screwed up the snaps there. <laughs> Jazz hands. Uh, new, new listeners are going, what the hell was that? 
tired. Have I mentioned that? I may also be a little slap happy tonight. Uh, ben wrote us feedback. He says, hey guys, I missed the deadline to get feedback on once again. The show drops tomorrow and I meant to submit on Super Bowl Sunday. Unfortunately, we decided here at home to head out to Toys R Us and let our soon-to-be 11-year-old Aiden scan stuff for his birthday wish list. Some 200 to 300 items later, <laughs> we were done. <laughs> Have you guys ever done list. that before? Like for wedding registry and stuff where you give you the gun? I love the gun. Oh, yeah. I love the gun. I'm really looking thing. forward to yeah, going to register awesome. for the baby. Oh, it's, it's the greatest for thing the gun. <laughs> There's going to be all sorts of stuff we don't need on there yeah, so the I can scan awesome. it. I think I'm just going to have a stuff Sean doesn't need party, and I'm just going to go register for things so I can play with the gun. It's Maybe just, I'll get something. You can set up a registry on Amazon. It's just not as fun. Excuse me, where do you keep the cars? <laughs> Beep. <laughs> he continues, then it was off to Mom's to help around her house before heading back home. Once there, I quickly stained the second of two bedside tables I had been working on for the wife and I. Nothing fancy, mind you. I like to build my own stuff when I'm able to. Then it was off to the brother-in-law's to watch the game. The first three quarters were a bit humdrum, as the game was quite one-sided at that point. So, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so we decided to have an impromptu Nerf gun fight. Anyhow, sometime very late that night, I had the light bulb go off finally and realized that I had forgotten to submit my feedback to you guys. So here's what I had previously. Glenn. Yes, I was being facetious. Thank you. In my moaning the fact that my flu shot was broken. (laughs) That came out of hearing Sean on the show make that same joke and subsequently seeing his Facebook post containing the same said jokes. (laughs) Keith, you've gotten a reprieve in your greeting, reading of the Game of Thrones series. I've chosen to start the Tom Baker autobiography next. I'm almost halfway through it at the moment. Ben, that's not starting. That's currently reading. <laughs> <laughs> and probably by the time I'm reading this, you're probably done. In fact, I think I saw you check in. So, Ben, are you on vacation again? <laughs> <laughs> it must be a really quick read. I bet it's a page turner. I mean... Uh, It's quite interesting and entertaining. Tom is a confusing writer at times, though. He bops from one age in his life to another in in random order sometimes. He also likes to repeat himself quite a lot. Lastly, on this topic anyhow, I've learned in reading this to be careful what you wish for. I've learned far too much of my number one doctor idol to ever recover fully. (laughs) Safe to say this book is not G-rated. At best, it is a strong PG-13 with disclaimers. I'd say more, but I'm not sure the average age of your listener, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who may may in fact want to read it. I'm suddenly intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) He continues, staying on the subject of books, there's a been a snafu here i previously mentioned ordering the pirate planet from waterstones i thought it would be here by now a check on my email revealed that they had a problem processing payment as there was sufficient funds in the account i was curious as to why there was trouble i've ordered from waterstones before with no issue according to their email they had to cancel the order because i had failed to respond it's had been a bit since i had checked Anyhow, I went and reordered the book, this time adding Peter Davison's autobiography as well. Guess what? They had a problem processing the payment again. This time I saw the email in time and responded to them, indicating I would contact my credit union to find out what was happening. 
Turns out the CEU had noticed a spike in fraud coming from the UK and had suspended all transactions for everyone. After speaking with me and checking on the fraud issue again, they agreed to lift the block. So hopefully this time everything will run smoothly. With the block lifted, I also jumped on the candy jar ordering I had planned. I subscribed to this year's main range, Lethbridge-Stewart Books, and pre-ordered the three limited-run hardback books, beginning with The Life of Evans. With all these books coming and the ones I have already, it's going to be a Who Dominated Goodreads Challenge this year. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Ben. Nope. I do plan on mixing in a fair amount of non-Who-related books, though. I'm also trying to spread my wings, so to speak. My forte in reading is fiction, specifically sci-fi fiction. This year I'm trying to do more reading outside that area. Autobiographies and other non-fiction books are on the schedule, and as I previously mentioned, have already been read. In other news, my 13-year-old boy got himself a dog today. He picked her out weeks ago and was able to bring her home today. Before letting this happen, he had to agree to fully finance and take care of the dog. This is a test of his responsibility and maturity. So far, he's done well. He's worked very hard to earn the money and get the dog and all the supplies. He named her Bailey after the dog from the movie in A Dog's Purpose. A good film, by the way. The video making the rounds showing the apparent abuse of this on the set of one of the dogs was very cleverly edited by PETA to look bad. The full video shows a much different scene. If this kind of movie is your thing, I would recommend it. Bring the tissues, though. Uh-oh. <laughs> I could tell that just from the trailer. <laughs> there's a certain amount of that, speaking of tropes, you know, oh, there's a dog movie coming out. <laughs> I'm sorry, but ever since Old Yeller, I bring the tissues. Just kind of... <laughs> or just avoid the movie altogether. Yeah. Where the red friend goes. Oh, I love that book, though. Now, if you want to see a picture of the dog, he tweeted at me. So, Ben's Twitter page, at Time Lord Ben, and uh, take a gander. It's a cute dog. Looks like a black lab. Aw. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, good to hear from you, Ben. Absolutely. That's it in feedback. There was a part of me that looked like I was I was, I was going to drop the reading gauntlet on Ben and, and <laughs> figure out what his challenge was and one-up him, and then he... Yeah, no, it's probably not. Did you go and look it up? I didn't. (laughs) I just just listened to his feedback and go, he's way more ambitious than I am. (laughs) And you know me, I'm a precarious reader. I read anything all the time. I've always got a book going on. Or just for some reason, it's like, uh, (laughs) so much reading. Ben set a challenge of 52 books. Oh, well, I'm already higher than He's him. 54% done. Oh, well, I'm not anywhere near <laughs> close to that. <laughs> you better step up, Sean. Ben, at your current pace, you are going to blow past <laughs> like 4,000%. <laughs> you might want to up that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 54%. 28 of 52 books. And we just now started February. <laughs> Well, to be fair, we're probably about halfway through February now. 28 days, we're at day 13. Oh, yeah. I forgot the shorter <laughs> month. <laughs> Even still, we're pretty close to halfway. Because those to two extra days <laughs> make Wow. Hey, it, it matters. Big difference. <laughs> well, let's move on to our reviews then. That's a great right. doctor line. That he's, he's, he's aiming the TARDIS for somewhere, and they're in the wrong place. And he just, February always gives me trouble. That's a great line. I'm going to file that away. Mind of Stone. Lethbridge Stewart has been remanded to Woodworm Scrubs Prison, and his team have no idea why. 
Secrecy surrounds his case, but his team barely have a chance to process anything before they are sent on a mission to Egypt. Why does it seem like Lethbridge Stewart is going out of his way to court trouble from the prison's most notorious inmates? And what does it have to do with a well-known gangster, Hugh Godfrey? And the Potomac Museum of Cairo and Travers and her team are trying to uncover the mystery surrounding some very unusual statues. One thing connects these events. A cargo transported by Colonel Pemberton and Captain Knight in August 1968. Bum, bum, bum! Not to be a broken record, but this book was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. It seems like every time I read one, I, I, I know. We've I'm not the, afraid of that. It's just, it seems like every time I read one of these books, I go, this is better than the last. This is better than the last. Or at least, at the very least, as good as the last. It's yeah. just, this run, particularly this year, this, this run we just finished, has just been solid from nearly beginning to end. I mean, it's just... Great, wow. top to bottom, front yeah. to back, and and imaginative. I mean, it's to put Lethbridge Stewart in prison and then have that story going alongside parallel to what's happening with the rest of the gang. That was just, it was amazing. Well, and you know, whatever he's put in prison for, he obviously didn't do or had at least very good reason. So they give enough little nuggets to make you wonder, okay, what's he really doing in prison? Mm-hmm. As he's in there, going, working his way through the maximum security and heading to Godfrey and getting the escape. I, I think mean, the it's so well plotted. The interesting thing about it is you kind of come off of it wondering, you know he's in there wrongly, but you don't know if he actually did something that he's been accused of that really isn't what it seems. You don't know that he's been framed for something that he's accused of, and you don't know if he's in there just infiltrating the prison, which yeah. is what I, you know, I just had those three things in my mind. As McLaughlin's writing this thing, you're never let on to what he did for the longest time. And your suspicions aren't confirmed until much late in the book when they're finally out. Even with the interludes that are going on with Pemberton and his crew and what has happened, you still don't connect it to Godfrey until until it's connected to Godfrey. And then when it does, you go, you go, duh. And what's going on with (laughs) Anne and all of that stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, I see what's, but what's this? prison storyline and it just exactly comes together that so aha there's moment. not a wasted yeah. moment in this book no not at all having said that i really appreciated the fact this is also can be one of the tropes where your lead character is put in a situation that they wouldn't normally be in while we all know he didn't do whatever he's in there for i mean you just you instinctively know that he's innocent right this has got to be a sting operation or something and they don't drag that part of it out long enough free to get frustrated with it at no point in time when i was reading this was i going oh hurry up and reveal why he's in the prison yeah they dropped just enough along the way that you knew it was something that was up but they allowed it to unfold at its own pace without trying to keep you in the dark about right. it well and, and it was really well done and enough is going on at the prison that it's your mind your mind doesn't go to why is he in there very often because there's so much happening while he's in prison which for being in prison is saying a lot <laughs> because normally not a lot happens in prison. Echoes of Shawshank. Yeah, it kind of had that tone. I thought I thought everybody was really well used. I absolutely yeah. love Stanley. Yeah. Stanley was great. You don't get bored with any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Everybody is doing things that they need to be doing. Going along, you know, everybody's interesting. Everybody's doing something interesting. Yeah. Um, even Sally's concern for Lethbridge Stewart and <laughs> them having to kind of put her in situations where. She, you know, keep her busy so she doesn't think about it, kind of thing. Yeah. They just, 
it's wow. And then to have this whole subplot going on with Johnson, who is trying to figure out yeah. what what Lethbridge Stewart is doing, and he's working for this mysterious general that we've been sort of introduced to. Not we haven't been introduced to the general, but we've been introduced to this subplot that's been going on uh, with the kidnapping of Travers, and uh, in an earlier short story. And so you've got all this intrigue of, okay, what's going on here? Who is this guy? And why is he, you know, trying to get one step ahead so that he can figure out what Lethbridge Stewart's doing? It's so well choreographed that you just never, like Sean was saying, that you could have gotten really drawn out with the, okay, well, what did he do? But decently early on, they said, okay, we've got to explain the plan now. With, with the crew outside and it's right. like oh okay yeah, I, I get a no oh, oh no I don't no, don't <laughs> but then you, that gives you just enough to go okay well he obviously didn't do something right, this was a right, plot right. it's just because how, everybody it's also deftly written <clears throat> yeah because everybody kind of after the okay I'm going to fill everybody on the Hamilton decides I'm going to kind of tell everybody what's going on and so when that happens and we don't get any more everybody is a little more relaxed and at ease so me as a reader i'm a little more relaxed and at ease because yeah. i think okay he didn't really do something he's either been framed or it's a setup and so they're in order to infiltrate the prison yeah well even kind of right at the beginning when they they make the fake sending people back to the base who are bundled into a car and driven off and we're let in on that it's not actually our supporting cast of characters that was enough for me to go, aha, yeah. okay. So <laughs> they're obviously doing something. The game's they have afoot. To, they have to stay close. So, it's, yeah. I really, really appreciate it because I get so frustrated when you read some of these things and the author's kind of stringing you along thinking that they're being clever with, oh, maybe he did something. It's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> well, I've seen the later episodes. He's still a brigadier, so whatever he did wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I was, I was, I was, just for a moment, I was really afraid that we were going to get into one of those kind of ruts, and we didn't go there at all. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Just saying, okay, we're going to send the Brigadier to prison, just kind of, on the surface, seems like a theme grab. Kind of yeah. like how we all kind of felt like the playing dead was like trying to cash in on the walking dead success. This could have easily felt like a, oh, prison breaks coming back. We're going to do our own version before it hits the screen. And, yeah. and do, But it doesn't feel that no, way at all. at all. It feels all. justified the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. And I was worried about that, too. When, yeah, oh when yeah, me not, too. Not just the tone of it, but how are you going to make this fit into whatever narrative is going on within the larger Lethbridge universe? Because Lethbridge-verse. <laughs> I'm going to coin Lethbridge-verse. Lethbridge-verse. Brig-verse. I don't know. I'll come up with something. But it's a prison story. Well, it doesn't have aliens and extra supernatural, paranormal, and why does he have to be inside for that? So it's a very Brig-centric, man-against-elements kind of thing. How are you going to make that fit? And it does. It just It's, it's that wonderful, as you said, Keith, the, the way this comes together and the way they handled the, the, the plotting and the threading and the way it's written, everything about it just clicked and worked. I don't know if I can go quite so far as to say this is the best one yet because I really liked Grandfather and... Uh, Showstoppers. Showstoppers. Yeah. Those are still kind of my two... But this one's... This is really high up there. It's really high up there. It's just so uh, so amazingly well done. Well, and I love the fact that the alien aspect of it was so subdued also. It wasn't such a strong thing. It's there. It's there. They're investigating it. And then it kind of starts to take over near the end, but not very much. It's just kind of 
spurs Godfrey and makes things go off the rails. And it's only like the last 50 pages that the alien influence is really strong. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And that's one of the things I loved about it. Yeah, I agree too. And I know a lot of people were comparing this in the in the Goodreads Club, uh, or some of the early reviews that I saw were comparing it to a Bond movie. That they said it felt like a Bond flick, and as I was reading, I was like, I don't, I don't see where they're going with that comparison. I don't quite get it until I got to the end, <laughs> when uh, you know everything happens, and here's the Rock, and Johnston comes in, and the brig just <laughs> and crushes it, <laughs> and then all I could think of was for your eyes only when Bond throws the uh, ATEC device off the cliff, and he goes, Well, I don't have it, you don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> So I wonder if that's maybe where they were pulling that from. Right, right. Uh, I love the fact that Anne then was like, huh, uh, better than, better, better, it destroyed than him having it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which I thought was a great character moment for Anne, too, because she should have, ah, oh, she could have been angry. She could have been really upset. She could have, you know, it would have been more fuel for the I hate Lethbridge Stewart club. Right. And right. instead it was like, justified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I also liked having more Douglas. And having him kind of in charge for a bit. Yeah. It was nice to have, have him uh, around a little bit more. Because he's been there. It just feels like he's kind of been in the background a bit more than previous stories. And as much as I love Samson, it was kind of nice for him to step back. For the story. That's, that's one thing I'm really impressed with with the line overall is knowing which characters to plug in, which, again, it seems like they've really gotten adept, especially during this last season, to know who to spotlight and who to kind of pull back a little bit. And initially, I thought I'd be kind of upset <laughs> that uh, it wasn't a Samson-heavy book because I enjoy him so much. But then as it went on, it was like, nope, this is what I needed. Yeah. I needed a Lethbridge-Stewart-heavy one yep. that, that everybody else was just kind of along for the ride and doing well, their and, thing. And so. this story didn't call for Samson's yeah. skill set yeah. as much. Right, right. Agreed. And I had actually read the first Christmas story before I read this, even though it's kind of out of order. I didn't realize that at the time. And that's such a heavy Samson story, oh, too. yeah. So I was okay with him being less than this. If I have a complaint, it's only that the alien part is left. I like the fact that it was nebulous and we didn't really get to it until the end, but we still didn't really resolve it. And it's it's intentional. It's left that. It's not like it's a dangling thread or anything. It was It was obviously that wasn't the story. This was the story. Uh, it just happened to be, you know, part of that set for the backdrop. But the Which fact is the that, MacGuffin. Yeah, the fact that these soldiers or these people are still in some way alive, that they're trapped in these stone, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it reminded me of the five doctors it. when the Rassilon's got them on the side of the, the coffin. And, uh, you know, just that weird immortality that's not living it gives you real sympathy too for those characters and especially since at the end they're not able to find a cure for them mm -hmm. and yeah. british army is trying to decide what to do with them you know, how, do, how do we you know, eventually we're gonna have to dispose of them they go back to we go back to the egypt uh egyptologist who's you know <clears throat> also considering that he's moved the statues into the garden to give them kind of their last you know and but don't know what ends up happening to him we suppose what happens to him, but because it's sort of you know alluded to that that's what has to happen. Yeah. But I like the author doesn't go there, you know, doesn't go so far as to you know have that scene of them disposing of them. But uh, yeah, it's, you, you really feel bad for him. And every time that they they talk about them with you know there's parts of them that isn't quite even formed. There's mm -hmm. still pieces of them that are and and how it's not really a stone. It's kind of more of a spongy. You know, it's yeah. just oh, it just <laughs> felt so bad for those people. I tell you the character that really. <laughs> through a, a, a full 180 for me nolan came out and initially i was like "Ooh, i like this guy <laughs> and then i didn't like him so much 
Yeah. And then I kind of liked him again. And then I despised yeah. <laughs> just he, he took me on a ride with, 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 with Nolan. I, I think initially I was kind of hoping for one of those. You were, we were looking for kind of a Stanley surrogate yeah. at that point. An admirable compatriot, maybe somebody who would the come nice, along to the fifth at some point. The nice no. thing is you still get Stanley, though. And yeah. Stanley gets I love the fact that at the story. very end we get a, re, a revisit of everybody and a resolution for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They could have easily just let the Stanley stuff drop after he gets moved to maximum security, but they don't. Yeah. They, right, fact, right. They bring him it's back. revisited and at then the end. again later, too. And then, yeah, when the, <laughs> one of the Christmas stories is there. And the fact that how Lethbridge Stewart kind of gets to come back and get revenge on the the wardens a little bit. It gave me a little bit of a fist pump moment. Fulton, <laughs> did anybody else picture Clancy Brown as Fulton? <laughs> just... <laughs> I was totally Shawshanking all over this. <laughs> when, when he got his comeuppance at the end, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and the warden was, perhaps it'd be best if you retired. Yes, I think maybe that would be best. <laughs> there was a part of me that felt cheated. It was like, no, I want him to get it too. <laughs> Let's drag his name through the mud and put him up for an inquiry. So much good in this book. Just so much good. Is it all of those books that you know i i keep leaving these things to a week to read and i'm kind of a slow reader but i just when i'm reading these books i can't put them down and i just plow right through them and i'm, I'm really grateful because it'd be rough to be able to <laughs> to slog through a book and then you know be able to review it but it just doesn't feel like that it feels like a it feels like great fun and i always think why don't i pick these things up when they're first made available to us <laughs> and read them then of course if i did that then i'd forget what i was going to talk about then when you we get to reread it. it that's true i could then reread it which this one i would have i would have gladly picked back up and reread this one so, some of these i i give myself usually two weeks to read them and usually i'm depending on the book pushing to get it done in time or this one i was done like half a week early yeah. I was just through it so quickly because it was so enjoyable and such an, a quick and fast read. Yeah. It was a fast read. It started and it was, I don't want to say it was slow, but it was very measured in how it good, was moving along. Good way to just define it. it was measured. And yeah. it, it really kind of ramped. Once they get out of prison, it really kind of begins to escalate very quickly oh, yeah. and, and rush toward that conclusion. Um, but again, not in a bad way. It's mm-hmm. just that's the way the pacing of the book happens to run. And I think the interlude parts were kind of, I don't know, maybe in a way designed to give us that little bit of action scene in the middle where maybe mm. there wasn't so much going on at the prison. Although it's, the fight scenes were so oh, well yeah. described, uh, that was plenty of action for me. Yeah, definitely. But I, I did like having the interludes giving us kind of this backstory of this para unit that were. Once Anne shows up to just investigate them, I realized, oh, okay, that's what this is tying together. I was able to piece that together mm-hmm. pretty quickly that I wasn't left. Why are these interludes in here until the last one? And then it's like, oh. I also really enjoyed Godfrey as a villain because he's he's kind of unlike any of the villains that we've we've come across in the line thus far. We we've, we've had obviously the megalomaniacs, and we've had the megalomaniac space alien, and we've had, <laughs> um, you know, just the, the very cold, calculating, ruthless businessman kind of uh, one. Uh, and, and back and forth across the gambit, and, and Godfrey's not any of those. He's he's just a guy. He's got some power. He's got some wealth. He's got some some connections. It's it's a but he's uh, smart enough to use them in ways that out benefit. for himself villain. Yeah, more than anything else, and then just the end ends up being because of the alien influence yeah. more than anything. Yeah. 
Agreed. I mean, he's not a two-bit hood. He could come across that way, and he's he's not. I mean, he's 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 a legitimate in in the scope of the you know English underworld. He's got, he's got some clout there, but he also knows his limitations, and you know he has no delusions. Once he gets out of prison, he's going to run the show from somewhere else. Yeah. You know, which I thought was. <laughs> Because so many of these times you get into these types of villains and they're like, oh, I'm going to get back at everybody and I'm going to set up a new headquarters. And, you know, it's like, no, you're not. He was at least intelligent enough to, yeah, say, I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah. But it was it's, understated. And, I mean, and it shows you why he is the boss. Is yeah. Because he's smart like that. Exactly. <laughs> Some of those other ones that I'm going to get back at everybody and set up a new headquarters. Like, how are you in charge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then when the entity takes over. And we get the separation from Godfrey to the well, and entity. It's such a slow development it is. to that. It is. Until well, we get to the power plant. It is plant. until, yeah, we get to the power plant. And then it's a quick turn. And, and, and yeah. Lethbridge Stewart kind of cues us in on the fact that, yeah, well, he pretty much recognizes that Godfrey's gone. That he's all mm-hmm. talking to this entity. Great, great villain. There's a, yeah. there's a complaint I have. So we get to the fight scene in the power plant, which felt very uh, hand of fear. I don't know if anybody else thought that or not, but I was really digging that. And um, I was thinking kind of Inferno, but okay. Yeah, I could go with Inferno too. So here's the brig, and he's he's just attacking him with his fists and the stone fists. But the brig doesn't have stone fists. No, that's like he kept. Oh, of, it's so serious. On the brig side, he kept kind of coming back at him. It was almost was like he's trying to box him or push him over. And I'm like, dude, you need a sledgehammer. <laughs> go, go pull something off the wall and just. I kind of kept waiting for that leap of logic to kick in for the brig to go, this isn't going to work. I feel like I'm hitting a concrete cinder block. Well, you are. What are you doing? But I love the fact that when he does finally kind of have that realization of, oh, okay, instead of trying to get him away from it, I need to push him towards it. Yeah. Right. That's right. such... that. That's why I didn't have any problem with that fight scene is because he came to that realization in a clever way to ultimately dispatch it. Instead of just trying to keep it at bay. Mm-hmm. I loved, loved, loved Anne clubbing the guy with the uh, <laughs> fire extinguisher. Sure. Yeah. That was one of those moments that I kind of feel like we've been waiting for with the, the female cast of characters <laughs> to not be the damsel in distress. And Anne once again rises to that, and, yeah, get him. <laughs> you know? That was very satisfying. Yeah. The other part that felt Bond-like was the ending on the train. That was very live and let die. <laughs> yeah, the, I could totally see that. The bad guy coming back and <laughs> what happened? I threw him out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes and passes out. And that was that was a great moment for for Sally. Oh yeah, yeah. The, You know, so she puts him to bed and he's, and then she picks up the gun and stands guard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not quite sure. I expected her to be the doddering, mopping his brow, or you yeah. know, cooing at him or something while he was asleep. And no, she picked up a gun and stood guard. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I've been prouder of Sally as, as I was in that moment. It was just like, oh, sweet. Yeah, and I, I like the fact, and this kind of touches more on home uh, for Christmas, the fact that. The brig is so happy to see her after getting out of prison because yeah. it felt like there's been so much of their estrangement uh, between the two of them, and it feels like it was the, what he went through is such a good way to grow the two characters together. Agreed. Which is going to make the eventual separation even harder, which it needs to be. Well, I think that what's interesting about it too is it seems that Lethbridge Stewart and Sally have sort of 
grown closer because of their time because of, of this time of art. <laughs> well, and because of the things that have happened to Lethbridge Stewart, which he's been having doubts this whole time. And there was a, there was one kind of mention about it in this book as well. However, the interesting thing about it is it's Doug, Dougie and Samson in another story that are more of the, you know, they, they, they see the writing on the wall that they, that it's kind of obviously Dougie's been, he's confided with Dougie about it. So Dougie loves a little bit more about it, but Samson suspects it just because he's, he's kind of just from the outside looking in and seeing mm-hmm. that. The, and so those are the two people that are alluding to the fact that they're kind of on the outs. Now it's the, you know, the, the relationship is, is, is Rocky and, and things are going to end up splitting. And it's not Lethbridge Stewart this time so much that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, at least worrying over it so much that, mm-hmm. that you know, it's just not working out. So. Cause that, that could have easily been a, I'm in prison. I'm worrying about, this relationship that's already estranged that could have been a whole subplot while yeah, he was in prison yeah. that would have dragged the whole thing down I'm so glad it wasn't there right agreed do we want to talk any about the end end of the book and the uh, <laughs> the epilogue the, the, the surprise I was thoroughly surprised <laughs> well this is a spoiler review so <laughs> we could certainly talk about it yeah General yeah, James. Out, so. Yeah, the book's yeah, been yeah, out, yeah, yeah. been out for a while. <laughs> we're on the uh, yeah, we're we're on the late end on this one. Um, yeah, no, obviously, I think that's. I'm pretty sure that's James. <laughs> the general is James. General James uh, Gore. Gore. That's what it was. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting reveal. That was the thing about the whole, the whole story, especially with Johnson, is we've got this the general working for the general can i have to answer to the Which general we've had references to right? we had the references uh in the the one with that where they connect traverse and we've had uh there was another one with uh a lot of the vault references yeah there was one where they were talking about uh, i can't remember it was it was an Anne heavy book was, was it, it moon Blink? Blink? it might have been where they well, referred they to, to the general the vault. yeah and so yeah so we keep getting the general that went in, but the general's really heavily dropped in this one uh, throughout, especially with Johnson working for the general, and then to have the final revelation at the end, that was actually pretty cool. And go, aha! <laughs> setting up series four. Yes. <laughs> Anything else about this one, guys? Top marks, I think. Uh, again, it, it it shoots. It's really hard for me to rank these books, but it shoots to the top of the the list <laughs> as far as the ones that are the most enjoyable of them. So. I'm gonna sound like a broken record on this too. There's this whole series. There's not a stinker in the whole batch. No. Everything mm-hmm. has been great. There's and not even a mediocre so one. No, there's in this not. Whole batch. Not. The there, there, there is probably one that we have come down the hardest on. But even that was an enjoyable story and set so much up for what has come as well. So mm-hmm. I just, it's it, all of them, been phenomenal. Well, since we we kind of crossed over into the Christmas files, <laughs> let's let's move on to to that one. I don't have synopses for these, so... The there first are, one is The Feast of Evans. The Feast of Evans. <laughs> Which all of the um, chapter titles are a slight change of a Christmas song title. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. Or, or a line from a Christmas song. I really enjoyed this one, too. Of course, we all enjoy Evans quite a bit. We uh, do, yeah. <laughs> in his own way. Yeah. <laughs> what I like the most about this one is that keeping in line with being a Christmas story... There was no huge threat. You know oh, what I mean? No, no. There was no earth-shattering threat. And in fact, when we do finally uh, learn of the plot of these creatures that they've been investigating and trying to find, 
the fix for it is such a simplistic fix mm-hmm. and it's just it's kind of a heartwarming story really in, yeah. in essence it's it's uh it's fun it's light it's very christmassy and i really really like that element of it and to put samson and, and evans together <laughs> they again they make such a great was, two-man they show do. I mean, they really do <laughs> such a, a unique pairing and I, I like the fact that it kind of starts to show evans as a bit more of a competent soldier that was the thing I was most impressed with. Because I love Evans. Period. I just, you know, anything about Evans. By the time you get to the end of Web of Fear, the coward routine almost begins to wear a little thin. Mm-hmm. And having him return in these books and being part of this group, it's great because he's there to kind of provide that, you know, initial kind of comic relief or something. But I, I think Andy, I don't know if he mentioned this to us uh, at one point in time in a discussion, but there's really nowhere to go with that. That you, you, we just don't, you don't have anything for Evans to do. He's such a background character that it's nice when he shows up, but at the same time, you can't have him show up and repeat himself. You can't have him show up and do the same thing over and over and over again, because no competent military organization would keep him around. And if there's anything that the Fifth is, they're very competent. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most of the bad guys are impervious to bullets, but (laughs) they do what they do. They do it well. And so reading this, first of all, Simon Forward nailed Evan's tone, his speech patterns, his... I heard the actor from Web of Fear throughout this short story. Yep. The, The cadence of his speech was right on. And I think the thing that was most impressive about that is that Evans is saying some very un-Evans things. It would yeah. be very easy to nail that if it was kind of having him repeat himself and do the same things again. But when even Evans is kind of going, well, maybe I've turned into not such a bad you know, soldier, or recognizing when it's appropriate to refer to Samson as something mm-hmm. other than Sir or Sergeant Major, even he's recognizing this. And then when, uh, I don't remember if it was this one or the next one, when, when I think it's the end, of the, the beginning of the next one when Samson says, I think... Uh, young husband. Young husband is turning him into an... Yeah. Uh, there may be hope for him. I was kind of <laughs> like, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, it just... It gives you a chance to evolve the character. Yeah. And so you don't have that stale, cowardice mm-hmm. character throughout everything. But I, I do remember this right. At the end of Moonblink... Didn't he hand off a piece of the moon rock to one of the bad guys? Wasn't that, that Evans? Was, I didn't think that was Evans. Was that somebody else? I think it was somebody else. Okay, because I thought, okay, so it was somebody else that did that. Because, uh, well, according to the wiki, uh, he was not in Moonblink. Okay. He was in Showstoppers. Was that Johnson, maybe, that was handing it off at the end? And I just got my characters confused. Been. I couldn't remember because it's been so long now since we've read Moonblink. He was giving it off to one of the guys that, you know, the ministry guys that had come yeah, in and was funding. It, was it wasn't a, even a ministry guy. They were just funding the investors. No, I think Evans hands off something in Grandfather. I think it's a piece of plant or something. Oh, it was. That's yeah, was. yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it was. was. And it You're was right. Evans, it was wrong right? book. Yeah. Okay, and he gave, it gave, yeah, that's yeah. right. I had the wrong book. It wasn't part of the Moon Rock. It was the, yeah, it was the plant. Yeah. yeah. So we're, there's still that. <laughs> we still don't know what that was. Yeah. That has all the hallmarks for a great moment that we're going to get. Evans kind of being built up as, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's gonna yeah, come back to right. Me. Exactly. I hope so we don't drop that. that now. That's still hanging over him, though. For me, if if yeah, why? Yeah, why is he doing what he's doing? So 
Um, and of course, we're going to skip over Fright Before Christmas because we actually have already reviewed that. We reviewed that last year when it came out near Christmas. In fact, I think we reviewed it in January or February, somewhere around there. It was kind of cool to have it in context yeah, because yeah. that one was set, we knew, down the road. Right. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden to get the opening of Feast of Evans where the Briggs sending Samson on this assignment because I can't do it because I'm at this thing. I have to go to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I went... Oh, yeah, I was on the, that's when that, that is. Okay, realization same night. Of cool. where that, that happens. Yeah. yeah. So it was nice to have that uh, that frame of context. And then all the references in the next story of the balls that attacked. And Speaking of the next story, <laughs> Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. This is my absolute favorite in these three. It's, it's such a nice way to kind of wrap up it feels like an epilogue it for does. the entire year it of does 1969. it just yeah. it just wraps everything up nicely it puts places all of our characters in certain places in their their linear timeline their their narrative and then at the end bringing everybody kind of together at the end was just so nice it was so mm-hmm. sweet i loved that and i like the fact that there wasn't a threat no, no it was just them doing their Christmas just stuff. Just doing their thing. We get a, another mention of Stanley. Stanley uh, gets, gets, gets a home. reprieve to go yeah. out and, and spend Which makes Christmas with his family. Stanley is going to maybe make a bigger return later. You think so? I wonder. I wouldn't be disappointed. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> as long as Stanley was given something to do. Yeah. You, you can't yeah. bring him back if he's just a hang on you know he's got to have a reason for being there but if they can find a valid reason well, for being there i'd be all for i'll it. tell you right now if he's soon to get out of prison because they kind of alluded to the fact that he's just kind of counting his days and waiting to get out it might be worth it to them to have somebody connected to the criminal element I mean, oh, he's, yeah. not, he's not a really a, bad guy but to have a resource in their pocket that they could use he could end up being that kind of con-turned informant that, or con-turned That's what I kind of specialist. see happening more so than yeah. him joining the fifth. Oh, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. So if Lethbridge Stewart has, you know, an old cellmate in his back pocket that he can go to and, and uh, utilize as well, I think that that, that could uh, play well out later in, in the uh, Lethbridge Stewart series. I have to be honest, the, uh, the, the sec- I think it was the second part of the story when uh, Sophia Montilla showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm reading through it and the cats and I'm just who is this woman? You forgot? That was Signora. Well, she wasn't or called Signora. <laughs> That's why I had to go back well, and Well, that I, was her name in the book. Yeah, though. but I, I I had to reread it a couple of times and then I finally made that the connection. Cat oh, Signora been the, Sophie. Okay. The, the, the cat should have been the uh, Oh yeah, totally should have <laughs> keyed into it. Totally should have keyed into it, but it just I kept reading it going, Who is this? The why do <laughs> oh, it's Signora. Okay, yeah. Now I don't know who this is. I think I know why this is Glenn's favorite. Also, Major Bartlett. <laughs> Major Bartlett was at the table making appearance. <laughs> and am and am I incorrect, or have you been promoted? Weren't you a captain when you when the name was first dropped? Yeah, there was at some point though. I think that he was promoted within the timeline, and he can't remember where at that was, or if I'm remembering that incorrectly. But it seems like, or maybe Andy tipped me off to that. Maybe it was the you off towards this. Maybe that's what it was. I can't remember for certain. I, it's it's <laughs> it's hard. I get information from real world and I get information from the <laughs> Lethbridge Stewart world and I can't tell which one I got from where. Well, congratulations on your promotion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I suspect I have written myself out of the stories. <laughs> because if, if, if I have my name on the cover of one, yeah, I'm pretty true. sure I can't have it on the that's inside true. of oh, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Not that I'm complaining. I'm, I'm very happy with, with where I'm at. No, I was quite pleased that uh, Major Bartlett shows back up. <laughs> if only for a brief mention. I think and my I think my appearance. name I think my name count is now higher than anybody. I think yeah, you're right. Yeah. At this table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep it coming, Andy. I love it. I'm enjoying it. I really enjoyed the carry on sergeant joke. Yeah. 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 And it was nice to get it. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that one. <laughs> but what that establishes now is that William Hartnell is actually an established actor in the Lethbridge Stewart universe, which is connected to the Doctor Who universe now. So that means William Hartnell is an actor as well as the first Doctor existing <laughs> in this universe as well. So, Unless it's in this universe, a different actor is playing the main role. Well, that's true. I suppose that could be. Because we've had a lot of that very similar, but not quite there, in the Doctor Who universe. In the Lethbridge-verse. <laughs> I'm going to try really hard to patent that. Lethbridge-verse. I, like I don't think it's a patent. I think yeah. that would be the a copyright. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Carry on, Sergeant. I like that. Starred Richard Herndl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 <laughs> I really enjoyed, I think one of the highlights of this, story for me was the the Travers dinner and the yeah, fact that yeah. and Bishop is there with Alan and just that having the fact that Bishop was there with them I yeah. that just I don't I don't know why it just warmed my heart so the much. exchange but <laughs> there were two exchanges in this book in this short that were that were fantastic the Anne and Bishop when she, he yeah. was talking about don't run off and she's like well what if I disappeared and they kind of did yeah. this whole thing and then that came to that moment of oh wow you'd really be distraught over this that was a great mm-hmm. evolution of that relationship. I think the reason being is because we have always seen that spark between Bishop and Anne. And we've seen it, but it's never really kind of culminated yet. Yeah. And this is the first advancement of that, as you say, the evolution of that relationship. And so it's the first time we really get that moment. And to finally get that moment, and then in this nice little encapsulated story, was, was even better. Yeah. The second one was the Brig Sally stuff, which we, we kind of touched on earlier. And I was so glad to get to that because I, I feel like we've had this estrangement and this awkward working relationship and the Brig having second thoughts and not really knowing where he was going with this. And again, with the gift of, of foreknowledge and knowing where this is going to wind up, that he and Sally are going to wind up apart. But they have to get together first. Right. And so I kind of kept wondering, well, when, what is the catalyst for that? When do we get to that? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we got there. And it was set up in the previous book that, you know, the, the events of being in prison kind of may have helped reconcile that. And that he was happy having her and mom together Yeah, because this, this is the first time that he's introduced uh, Sally to mom. Yeah. So. yeah. And so that was a really nice moment to to have and put that in there and it 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 helped in a way for me humanize the brig yes because if i have one complaint about the the overall arc of these books the brig is kind of the brig he's kind of the wind-up soldier and he he doesn't get those really human moments it doesn't feel like they're far few and far between they're there but you have to look for him but he he has to be the soldier first he has to follow the duty he's got to deal with the threat and whatever it happens to be and then he gets one little moment to kind of go okay and this was nice little moment but it spoke volumes yeah. within the, the the arc of his of his character agreed uh who was it that called did you guys recognize that character was it jemima is that who that was yeah it was jemima 
Who, who is that? Do we that, know from in her kiss? That was the girl that oh, would, got okay. shipped off to that school because she'd gotten pregnant. Oh, okay. yeah, her. Okay. She was one of James's and uh, Alistair's okay, friends I was growing re- up. Yeah, okay. And she was the I, one that first kissed. There was uh, something in the Alistair. back of my mind going. Uh, yeah, that was his familiar, first kiss. But, okay, yeah. right. that was the one written by Sue Hampton. Okay, that's right. This was just a really, really yeah. good story. Which, uh, in fact, authors collected is how this is is attributed. <laughs> and I wonder it, if yeah. each of the authors got a little chance to write a little snippet of each one. It seems like it. Yeah, was neat. It was really neat. Just, just again, I, uh, I'm going to gush all over this. What a wonderful way to wrap up, as Sean said, that this whole year of of what's happened since Web of Fear, and it's just so good. Yeah. Anything else? As it says at the end of the book, from Candy Jar Books to all of our readers, thank you for all your support in 2016. And that sums up everything. It that certainly I can... does. <laughs> I am happy does. to support them because they are so very well done absolutely yes and you don't just have to say that because you're becoming part of the writing team <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know that's that's even a push like. <laughs> all right what do we got coming up on the schedule so well coming up on the schedule uh we are, are back to our regularly scheduled uh events listings again we were just one week off so we finally next week <laughs> for Friday Night Who are going to watch the first three parts of Power of the Daleks. It is out. It is available in North America on DVD in a format that you can watch. (laughs) I think it's even out in the UK on Blu-ray now. Uh, Wasn't it around this time too? Yes, I think it. I think it may. If it's not on Blu-ray, it's really close to releasing. That's that's where they're when they're getting the color version. It's on Blu-ray. Somebody had asked which version we were going to watch um, for Friday Night Who, and as as always, we tend to force Keith to watch it in its original format as much as possible, and <laughs> then I'm we kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, let you out to your own devices. In this instance, because it's black and white or color, and they're both going to be identical, they're just, you know, whichever one you want to watch. The events are going to be the same, so yeah. it doesn't matter. And then our uh, our show next week, no, 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 Titan no, no. Comics Eleventh Doctor oh. Series Two, two point eleven to two point fifteen. So we're sure. finishing the eleventh finishing eleventh Doctor, then we'll tackle the big finish fourth Doctor adventure number uh, season two number five Phantoms of the Deep. Phantoms of the Deep. So we got some Eleventh Doctor and some Tom Baker and Romana and maybe K nine. Although Phantoms of the Deep doesn't sound promising for K nine. <laughs> <laughs> In big finish, K nine's more feasible. Maybe he has a little bubble. <laughs> Canine with a fishbowl. <laughs> Canine with a fishbowl stuck on his head. <laughs> More likely. Canine, what did you do? It was the cot, master. <laughs> if you'd like to support Traveling the Vortex, you can do so by uh, going to our website, travelingthevortex.com. You click on the support on Patreon button on the right-hand side of the page, and all of those proceeds go back into this podcast. And if you are already supporting us, we thank you very much for that. You can also click through some of the links on the side of the page where it says Buy TTV Merchandise. And some of our uh, sponsors on the side of the page, portions of those go right into this show as well. Keith, how can people reach us? Uh, just go to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. You can also reach out to us on any form of social media. We're all there. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. Glenn, I think there's a cop here for you. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm going. Can I, I sneak I, out the back I door? I saw some can flashing I sneak, lights. Can I sneak out the back door? Try, try. <laughs> Take a spoon. <laughs> you don't have a file? No, I put it in the cake. <laughs> How many files do you oh, think I have sitting around the house? One just... chocolate and one vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Dismantling an AR-15. Waking <laughs> <laughs> it in the cake. When the bullets have exploded, this, the more I think about that plan, the more I'm like, wait a minute. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.